0: Good morning on this Wednesday morning, and welcome to our devotional Golden Nuggets, Food for Thought and for the Imagination. We left off yesterday talking about, and we're continuing on that same thought, how the giving of the law in the Feast of Weeks and the giving of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, it's the same feast, the same day, just a different name. One in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament. We talked about how Paul was given the revelation of the New Testament gospel that he preached and how Moses was given the law and the explanation of all the sacrifices and how the priesthood was to take place and everything. One of the things that we have to divide in the Old Testament is that the kings were kings, the priests were priests, and the prophets were prophets. Uh, You had Abraham was called a prophet. Then you have prophets like Elijah and Elias. You had kings like Saul and uh, kings like David. But you never had combinations where they were more than one. When Jesus came on earth and in his physical body, as he tabernacled amongst us and we saw his glory, we also saw the grace that was upon him. He ministered as a prophet. The people called him a prophet. But at the same time, he was a king. But not an earthly king. But a heavenly kingdom. And today, he sits at the right hand of God the Father as our high priest. Three offices that he fulfills. Now, this is important for us to understand. Because... It says in the book of Revelation, in chapter 1, in verse 6, And He has made us, He has made us, and He has made us kings and priests unto God. See, it's unto God that we're made kings and priests. To rule and reign with Christ forever, and at the same time to minister as priests. Those sacrifices of worship and praise and the things that glorify honor. And bring the majesty of God to its fullness in the sense that we are that redeemed. We are the act of God through Christ. We are the accomplished work that He in us, His image is transferred or transformed in us. And we become more like Him so that God now has... Sons and daughters that by the time the millennium and the rapture and all of these things happen. We will no longer be having to fight off the, the temptations of the body or, or sin. Because we will have had, been given a glorified body. And it is not susceptible to the temptations that the physical flesh is susceptible. So he has made us. In God's mind, this is an accomplished task. He has made us kings and priests unto God and His Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And then we read in Revelation, in chapter 5, in verse number 9. And they sang a new song, saying... Thou art worthy. So get accustomed to saying thou art worthy here. Because it's definitely going to be the song that is going to be sung up there by the multitudes of the redeemed. And they sang a new song. Saying thou art worthy. To take the book. And to open the seals thereof. For thou was slain. And has redeemed us to God. By your blood out of every kindred, and tongue, and people, and nation. And in the book of Revelation, when you do read it and study it, it always includes it in the sense of four. uh Whether it's speaking of the word uh, kindred, uh, out of every race, out of every tongue, uh, out of every language, and out of every people. And basically this in general denotes... Uh, each each person from his own uh, uh, population and out of every nation. And the word there is ethnos. That means out of every race. Every race on the planet is going to be included in this singing that is going to take place. And it's every ethnos that has been redeemed unto God out of every ethnic group on the planet, there will be individuals that will be singing this song and giving praise and honor unto God because of Jesus. He is truly worthy. And in verse number 10, it says why. Revelation 5.10 And has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. That is where our reigning is going to be done. We're not going to be reigning up in heaven, but reigning here on earth. This is where the rule is going to take place. That, that has to be understood. That we're. I mean, what's there to reign up in heaven? God already reigns the heavens. But the prayer was, Our Father which art in heaven, holy, holy be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that now takes us to a very important thought as we consider uh, the whole feast of weeks, the counting, the the ingathering of the of the harvest, the the ingathering of the of the first fruits again of the summer, not of the spring. So, going back to the book of Leviticus, chapter 23, verse 15. Let's go ahead and read, out of that chapter, what it was that God gave to the nation of Israel. And then, let's learn from the figures and the types and the shadows and the patterns that are laid out. Some of the things that are so important that stand out. They are prophetic in nature. They speak about Christ. They speak about the church. They speak about the individual believer and Christian. We just have to see what God has in his word in store for us. And this section is actually going to cover the two laven wave loaves. These are the two loaves that were waved before him and, and basically the, the, the sheaves, that were taken and and the wheat that was taken. And from there, of course, the flour uh, was made. And then, of course, there is the bread that was uh, cooked from that. Let's read and look at it and its significance. We won't be able to cover everything, but we'll cover as much as is possible until on Thursday we continue again. Leviticus 23, 15. And you shall count unto you, From the morrow, that means from the after the day after the after the Passover or the Sabbath, uh, from the day that you brought the sheaves of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. God commands them to count every single day up until they get to day forty-nine, knowing that on the fiftieth day, that was the day of celebration. That was the day when these offerings were offered and waved before God. Verse 16, even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath. In other words, after seven weeks, whole weeks, 49 days. Then the following day, it says, shall be, shall you number 50 days and you shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. So here, here is an offering that is given unto God one of the requirements during this feast, one of the things that was celebrated and that was done. It is the only feast out of the seven that God commanded them to actually count the days. And it says, And you shall bring, verse 17, out of your habitations two wave loaves of two-tenths deals, and they shall be of fine flour, they shall be bacon with laven, and they are the first fruits unto the Lord. So this, out of the whole harvest of wheat that was going to be picked in summer or harvested, this was the thing that they were supposed to do: pick this first fruit and measure it out to two tenths deal. Uh, uh, the the amount would basically be the tenth part. And you shall make it a fine flour, and it shall be bacon with laven. Now out of all the different sacrifices and everything that was offered unto God they were not to bring laven with a few exceptions, and there lies in the mystery. Laban is represented in the scripture usually of anything, whether it's wicked, whether it's sin, uh, sinful, etc., 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 etc. Why would God tell them to bring it with Laban and yet on the Passover that the bread, the sheaves that was to be baked or that was to be waved before him was to be without Laban? Well, in understanding the mystery, in the Passover, Jesus represents that unleavened bread of seven days of which they celebrated. Jesus is also the Passover lamb. Jesus is also the first fruits of the resurrection. So on those three feasts, the Passover, then the following day, the continuation of the feast of unleavened bread, then the following day was the feast of first fruits. They were to offer that. So Jesus represents pureness, holiness, completely without blemish, completely without spot, completely without unrighteousness, completely without any sin, iniquity, transgression, whatsoever. But the two baked Loaves of bread represent two different groups. The Jews, which already had the Old Testament law. And the Gentiles that were going to be brought in. And when you look at the Jews and you look at the Gentiles, neither of them are without laven. In other words, it doesn't matter how good of a life you've lived. And how much of a life you've lived, there always has been, always will be, and there always is something, whether in word, in deed, in action, in thought, that we sin against the Lord. And that's why we are provided with the ability to repent, confess our sins, and have it not only forgiven, forgotten, but cleansed and washed by the blood of Jesus forever, so that we no longer have to deal with that in our conscience, but we can have our conscience redeemed and free from that guilt and that condemnation. See, but it's two different groups. It's the Jews and it's the Gentiles. That's you and I, and then those that are Jews that are brought into the gospel of Christ, It is because of his sacrifice that the two are made into one as we had read in the book of Ephesians. Then it says in verse 18, And you shall offer with the bread seven lambs without blemish of the first year, one young bullock, two rams they shall be for a burnt offering unto the Lord and with their meat offering and their drink offering, even an offering made by fire of sweet Savior unto the Lord. Verse 19, Then you shall sacrifice one kid of the goat for a sin offering, and two lambs of the first year for a sacrifice of the peace offering. Verse 20, And the priest shall wave them with the bread of first fruits. For a wave offering before the Lord with the two lambs, and they shall be holy unto the Lord for the priest. And you shall proclaim that very selfsame day, that it may be a holy convocation unto you. You shall do no work, no service therein, and it shall be a statute forever in all your dwellings throughout your generations." Now that's a lot to take in because this is what would take place on that 50th day. And everything that we have just read has a very special significance to the body of Christ and that which represents Christ and that which involves our ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit in Christ on the day of Pentecost. Well, join us tomorrow. As we continue on Thursday, explaining a little bit more and seeing a little bit more, like in a mirror, ourselves and our Lord in all these scriptures. Until then, the Lord richly bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.